I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to To Be Honest, and of course, welcome to our first-time listeners. Now let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. So take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go, and let any tension in your body go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. And exhale out loud with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. As I promised last week, in this episode, I'm going to teach you how to regulate your emotions. This is an important skill to have, not only because this is one of the skills to practice forgiveness. When we know how to regulate our emotions regularly, it will improve both our mental and physical well-being. So, without further ado, let me start with the definition. According to APA, American Psychological Association, emotion regulation is the ability of an individual to modulate an emotion or set of emotions. There are two types. 
explicit emotion regulation and implicit emotion regulation. Explicit emotion regulation requires conscious monitoring using techniques such as learning to construe situations differently in order to manage them better. Changing the target of an emotion, for example, anger, in a way likely to produce a more positive outcome and recognizing how different behaviors can be used in the service of a given emotional state. APA defines implicit emotion regulation operates without deliberate monitoring. It modulates the intensity or duration of an emotional response without the need for awareness. Emotion regulation typically increases across the lifespan. It's also called emotional regulation. Okay, don't worry. I'm going to simplify this definition for you. So emotional regulation actually is a process by which individuals influence which emotions they have when they have them and how they experience and express their feelings. So emotional regulation can be automatic, and that would be reactive, or controlled, and that would be a response. It can be conscious or unconscious, and may have effects at one or more points in the emotion-producing process. In short, it's the process that you go through when processing your emotions when you have them, particularly when the emotions are overwhelmingly negative and uncomfortable. Now, having said that, the definition of emotional regulation encompasses both positive and negative feelings, along with how we can strengthen them, use them, and control them. So please bear in mind, emotional regulation is not just to process uncomfortable feelings, but also any heightened positive feelings as well. Now, emotional regulation involves three components. First is initiating actions triggered by emotions. Second is inhibiting actions triggered by emotions. And third is modulating responses triggered by emotions. Now, ideally, the third component is the best way to make the most of the regulatory processes. Well, let's face it, every day we face hundreds of emotion-provoking stimuli, right? And most of them require some action or response from our end. It is only natural for the mind to get hooked into some negative contemplation or unmindfully ignore emotions after getting bombarded with so many stimuli every single day. So in a way, you can say that emotional regulation acts as a modifier. It helps us filter the most important pieces of information and motivation us to attend to it in a way that wouldn't evoke stress or fear. Now, studies on emotional regulation indicate that there is a significant positive correlation between emotion regulation and depression management. So if you are suffering from depression, please pay attention. People with lower levels of anxiety show higher emotional control and social emotional intelligence. A research from Levinson, 1999, it indicates that emotions are adaptive responses that have a deep-rooted basis in evolutionary biology. 
So the way we feel and interpret them affects how we think, how we decide, and how we coordinate our actions in day-to-day lives. So remember the result formula: thoughts cause feelings, feelings cause actions, and actions cause results. Hence, the complete formula is beliefs and/or our own interpretation of the daily stimuli that we encounter. They cause thoughts. Thoughts cause feelings, and feelings cause actions, and actions cause results. For example, a person who has poor emotion regulation strategies is more likely to experience mood polarities. Their actions and behavioral patterns would always be at the mercy of their own emotions. And if you are such person, you know it's no fun. And according to Wagner, Erber, and Senecal's study in 1993, quite the contrary. A well-regulated person, they will have a better balance and judgment of their feelings and actions. So emotional regulation allows us to carefully judge which affective outcomes to embrace and which ones to avoid. And to achieve that is to be mindful. Of our own beliefs, interpretation of the stimuli that leads to unhealthy thoughts. Now, the truth of the matter is, when we confront a provoking stimulus, the natural reaction of the brain is to activate the amygdala. It's the part of our brain that regulates the fight, flight, or freeze response. So, emotional regulation processes allow us to buy time before we act, or should I say, react on the fight, flight, or freeze triggers. So, my audience, please remember: with increased time gap between stimulus and response, it helps our mental faculties that involve rational thinking and reasoning. Needless to say, as a result, we can save ourselves from sudden emotional breakdowns or burnout. All right. So now let us dive right into some of the emotional regulation skills. These skills can help you in cultivating emotional regulation as well as sustaining it during challenging times in your life. So number one is self-awareness. That means notice what you are noticing. Noticing what we feel and naming it is a great step toward emotional regulation. For example, when you are feeling uncomfortable, ask yourself: Am I feeling sad, hopeless, shame, anxiety, depressed, fear? Whatever you are feeling, name it and feel it. Give yourself some options and explore your feelings. Try to name the specific emotions that you can feel intensely within yourself at that very moment. Write it down if you want. Please make sure you do not judge the cause and effect of your emotions at this time. All you need is complete awareness of each feeling that is controlling your mind right now. Nothing else. Once you have identified your feelings, then you may ask yourself, "What were my thoughts before I have these feelings?" Apply the result formula. Number two, mindful awareness. So, in addition to gaining thought awareness. 
I also want you to explore and identify all aspects of the external world, including your body. You may wish to scan your body and notice where you feel those feelings. Is it in your stomach, your lower back, your chest, wherever you feel them in your body? Just notice and feel them. Or try the five, four, three, two, one. This tool is related to our five senses. So start by naming five things that you can see right in front of you. Then name four things that you can hear right now. Then three things that you can smell, and two things that you can taste, and make sure you taste them. And one thing that you can touch, and make sure you touch it. The third skill is reality check. And or change your thoughts. For example, if you think your boss hates you, the reality check is: Does my boss only behave like that toward me, or actually he behaves similar ways to other colleagues as well? And you can flip the thought like: My boss hates me, and I am no longer needed here. To my boss is upset at this moment. I am sure I can make up for this. Or I know I am hardworking and honest. Let me give it another try. Come up with whatever thoughts that calm you. By doing so, we gain a broader and better perception of our problems and react to them with more positivity. Or rather, you want to respond to them with more positivity. Number four: adaptability. Now, emotional dysregulation lowers our adaptability to life changes. We all know that. That's why people want to be more adaptable, therefore be resilient. So, when our emotions are not being regulated, we become more prone to distractions and fail our coping mechanisms, which is why we often start resisting changes. Now, a great exercise to build adaptability is objective evaluation. For example, when you feel bogged down by stressful emotions that you want to avoid, and you might end up destructively reacting to them, take a moment to think: What if your best friend was experiencing the same thing? What would you have suggested they do under these circumstances? Write your answers on a piece of paper and try to imagine as if you are following the same steps for yourself. Number five: self-compassion. Now, setting aside some time for ourselves every day is a great way to build emotional regulation skills. Reminding ourselves of our talents. Virtues and letting our minds land on a flexible space can immensely change the way we feel and respond to our emotions. Here are a few things that you can practice self-compassion. Apply daily positive self-affirmation. For example, if you feel anxious, say to yourself, "I am safe. All is well." Financial challenges. Affirm by saying, "I allow my income to constantly expand. I count my blessings, which are many." And speaking of forgiveness, think of someone you wish to forgive, including yourself. Say this: "I forgive you completely. I free you from our past. I accept healing now."
Start a gratitude journal every day before bedtime. Write down a minimum of five things that you are grateful for during the day. Last and not least, of course, is meditation. Now, with this skill, I suggest that you do some research and see which type of meditation suits you best, so you practice it daily. And the last skill to cultivate emotional regulation is emotional support. Now, my audience, as a clinical psychologist, I believe that we all have the innate capacity to build a robust emotional repertoire and save our mental energy from getting invested in negativity. So, my audience, to be honest, you know that I have been giving you tools and skills to seek emotional support within yourselves. And today, I am going to emphasize the practice of mindful self-awareness. And you can seek help outside by engaging in positive communication with others, and of course, seek professional help. To be really honest, it is absolutely okay to see a therapist or professional when our inner coping fails. It is definitely not a weakness. On the contrary, it takes courage to do exactly that. Reaching out to a therapist or a professional is a sign of resilience, not weakness. The sole focus is to create a positive emotional shield that can channelize our emotions to bring out the best in us, isn't it? Speaking of positivity, let me end this episode on a high note. According to recent scientific studies, researchers nowadays agree that emotional regulation should not be constrained to a time frame or a group of individuals or under a specific circumstance. Instead, they have proposed a few scientific strategies that could guide us at all times. Now, that's not the best part. The best part is that I have already shared with you some of the scientific strategies for emotional regulation in the past. So, just in case you have not been paying attention, or if you don't remember, go back to the archives and have a good listen and start jotting notes and start practicing. One is reframing. That means you rewrite your story from a hero's journey rather than a victim. I have also given you self-soothing exercises such as self-compassion and loving kindness meditation, music meditation with dancing, or listening to music that can help you to unwind and to relax. Another is breathing exercises, including breath control, breath counting, and simple breath relaxation. Actually, simple self-care, such as taking a hot bath or a long shower, if that's what you prefer, having a relaxing massage, cooking a nutritious meal for yourself—all these are good strategies for your emotional regulation. Okay, I'm going to end with a bonus, and that is attentional control. It starts with reappraisal, meaning it aims to divert our attention away from the negative emotion and allows us to look at it from a rewarding perspective. 
For example, if you are feeling anger and shame, we can empower the irresistible anger and shame that follows an insult or abuse from someone by thinking of it as a lesson that taught you to avoid building connections with rude or toxic people. By doing so, you not only save yourself from the severe stress and anger. But you also gain a perspective of how you can avoid such interpersonal disputes later on. As a result, you are successful in modulating your responses to the negative encounter and restoring your mental peace altogether. All right, my dear audience. It looks like Dr. Fred Luskin's steps to forgiveness will have to wait till next episode. So thank you for listening. Until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to practice these skills. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www. drbarbarakiao. com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O. dot com.